baby, you know what that sound means. It's time for The Edge with Terry Waldrop. Terry talks about all the hottest topics in sports every single weekday from 9 to 10 a.m. He's controversial, he's charismatic, and he's the captain of this ship for the next hour. Here's your host, Terry Waldrop. All right, all right, all right. Welcome in Sports Talk 97.7. The Edge, Terry Walter, my friend Mark Kramer, subbing uh, very admirably for uh, Jamie Foxx on injured reserve for a little period of time. John Tabor manning the board as always. We're brought to you by the man, the myth, the legend, Dr. David Weber, North Monroe Animal Hospital. Simply the best pet care you're going to get, folks, anywhere in the free world. Go by and see him on US-165 North in Monroe, 318-345-4545. Dr. David Weber, North Monroe Animal Hospital. You can reach out to us today on the text line. Washtenaw Valley Federal Credit Union sponsored as such, 888-993-7762. Well, we had a few things go on uh, since we last spoke, Mark Kramer. Yes. Uh, it's sort of a smorgasbord. You know, as bad as August and July is for Sports Talk Radio, uh, especially early August, as we get closer to football season, the stories literally just jump out and write themselves, don't they? Yeah, they do, and it just makes it a lot easier for us instead of having to come in and, and uh, plan to uh, paint a canvas, so to speak. Uh, the canvas paints itself for us in a big way. What? Well, let's before we get into uh, can we say can we agree even the most ardent LSU fan it has been a tough August if you're a Tigers fan and they haven't taken a legitimate snap yet in a game LSU uh, we'll can't that. get out of its own way uh, yeah uh, we'll get into that on another segment here today but I want to get into Jimbo Fisher Texas A&M. Uh, the linebacker, Santino Marchiol, Marchiol, I think is the correct pronunciation, yeah. Bradley Pivato, and the NCAA. Have you seen the story, Mark Kramer? Yes. I've heard right, it me, and let me, read it. Let me, let me give a quick uh, synopsis from my understanding. Again, this is – I'm not very smart, so you guys have to bear with me. So, Santino – from Colorado, is a Kevin Sumlin recruit, comes in the spring of 2017 with Sumlin, uh, is injured all year, so he can't play. Uh, Kevin Sumlin gets fired, goes to Arizona. Jimbo Fisher comes in, brings a new staff, including Bradley Pivato, who we know very well here in Louisiana. Uh, the Santino kid is not real happy. Uh, often injured, and then some people are more injury-prone than others. At any rate, he wants to go to Arizona, and the rule is, hey, if you transfer, you got to sit out for a year. That's, that's the rule that's been the rule since there was a rule. There are a few exceptions to it. Graduate students can transfer. Uh, or, excuse me, if you've already graduated, you can transfer and play immediately. I mean, there's a few things. Here's an interesting rule, though. Uh, you can transfer immediately, or I'm sorry, you can play immediately with a transfer if, uh, and this is according to a rule adopted in April, the transfer is due to documented 
mitigating circumstances that are outside the student-athlete's control and directly impact the health, safety, and well-being of the student-athlete. I've got friends of mine that are attorneys all over the country. They could not have written a more uh, encompassing word. So anything that you think is against your health, uh, I should be able to transfer and play immediately. Now, whether or not you believe kids should be able to transfer and play immediately is, is not even germane to this point. The point is that is the rule until it's not. And so the kid comes up and says, oh, yeah, by the way, uh, Coach Pivato gave me hundreds of dollars to entertain recruits uh, on unofficial visits on several occasions. Uh, they also had practice. You can't work out until 6 a.m. They also had us get there at 530, and, and they called it soft. Uh, what's the old saying? Snitches get stitches. This guy, and, and I'm not condoning anything that he alleged if it happened, but really, and then his attorney said, look, he just really wants to play this year, so essentially he's going to throw something out there and hope it sticks. Uh, I, I have no respect at all for, for this situation, uh, Mark Kramer. Whether some, whether some of it's true or not, which, you know, it probably most of this, the smaller stuff about, you know, getting guys out there at 530 and, talking in a vulgar and demeaning way to the players. I believe all that's true. I mean, almost all of these high-profile coaches treat their players pretty much the same way. You know, I always think it's interesting, and I know you've gone through the recruiting process as a basketball coach, but football just always has a different mentality. I find it so interesting that they coddle these guys so much and, and you know, do everything but get down on their knees and beg them to come to their school especially if they're really good. But once they've got them signed, then kind of the – and they get into the, the, the program, the power seems to transfer – not seems to – transfers to the, to the coach and the coaching staff. And then all of a sudden these guys that they were falling all over themselves, complimenting and, and telling them how great they are and how great their family is and all this, all of a sudden, you know, they, they treat these people like dogs uh, in practice and in film rooms and – and stuff like that, and it just it just boggles my mind. Well, first of all, let, let me let me clear something up. And I don't know that this happened. I just I'll throw a little experience here, background for it. They say that you can't work out till six a.m., and that's that's true. But there's preparation that has to be done before you work out. Or in other words, you know, we would have our kids in the training room at least an hour before we started practice, so they could get treatment on injuries. So they can get taped. So they can get ready to practice at 6 a.m., for example. So could it be that uh, that happened? Yeah. Do, do I think Jimbo Fisher and all those guys are, are throwing $100 bills out like uh, a University of Louisville fraternity party? Maybe. But the problem I have with this kid is that, and it's not a kid, he's an adult. You had no problem, theoretically, taking this money. All right. If, in fact, what you say is true, which I'm not convinced it is, you had no problem taking three or $400 a couple different times from the coaches to go have kids that were coming to you know, entertain the, the unofficial recruits coming in. You had no problem taking that. It was all good. You had no moral qualms whatsoever. Then all of a sudden, you get called soft. Uh, you really don't want to stay because they're not as nice to as you thought they should be. Oh, by the way, God forbid, you had to go to practice 30 minutes earlier than you thought you should have. 
Well, now all of a sudden you're going to say, oh, well, yeah, I feel really bad about taking all this money and they did all this. And basically it's a way so you can try to get to play at Arizona without following what the rules say. I don't think probably Fisher them have any problem with him transferring to university with, with to Arizona with someone, or he could UCLA or, or Grambling or wherever he wants to go. I think the the hypocrisy for this kid is he was all good taking the money when it benefited him, and now that uh, he doesn't like the way that it's going to turn out for him, he doesn't want to wait, which is what the rule says he has to do. So now he's going to throw a bunch of dirt on them hoping that uh, he will be able to circumvent the rules of the process. That's the issue I have with him. You know what? You took money. You knew you was wrong. Suspend him for a year, NCAA. Hey, investigate Fisher. If they did wrong, uh, you know, do whatever you're going to do to them. This kid, you don't think he knew it was wrong to take money? Mark? Yeah, exactly. So he's basically putting himself out there as his own violation. If you want to put it that way, he's a he's a viol- he's a self violator. By he outed by, himself. Yeah, he that's outed what I mean. Himself. He outed himself by going in by coming out and saying all of this that he because he didn't say he didn't take the money. He just said they gave him the money and he entertained recruits. So that means he took the money. Let me ask you this, and, I, and I'm not saying that this happened or it didn't happen, but go to any college in America, your pick. North, south, east, west, women's school, men's school, black school, white school, it doesn't matter. Go up and give any kid $300 and see if they don't take it. Anywhere in America, I defy you to find a place they're not going to take it. Uh, does that go on? Sure. I'm sure it does. But, you know, I think it's it's crazy that, and again, his attorney, who's the, same, it's the Arkansas-based attorney, is the same guy that represented Shea Patterson. And Shea did not have to sit out when he transferred. He's going to be starting quarterback at Michigan. Completely different scenario. This kid didn't like the fact that he was being called soft and being called some ugly names, and they were demanding that he do stuff that he wasn't comfortable with. I mean, this is common right now in football this year. Well, they're being mean to me, and they're calling me demeaning names, and they want me to – he hurt his ankle, Mark. almost called you Jamie. He hurt his ankle. And he was, and this is from the stories reported by ESPN and Fox and everybody else. So the training staff is treating his sprained ankle. All right, your ankle, when you're working out, if you sprain your ankle and you're working out on it, all you're trying to do, that ankle is not going to get better until you get off of it. Does that mean you can't play in practice? No. It just means you have to do treatment and have to accept a certain amount of pain is going to come with that. Are you really going to do a lot more damage to a sprained ankle? Probably not. But he, they were asking him to go through that process and, and, and be tough through it. It's not like he, you know, they were asking him with a heart condition to keep running in the heat or something. He has a sprained ankle. You're a linebacker. You're a football player at Texas A&M. You're an IMG product. You're supposed to be really good. All right? His ankle hurt. And, it sw- and they said, it swelled up? Well, of course it swelled up. If I tape your ankle and you go out and participate in sports and your ankle has ligament damage to begin with, the blood is going to flow into the ligaments. It's going to swell. That's what the tape is there for, to keep it from swelling, to keep the blood out of it. When you take the tape off, that's why they put it in an ice bath, to slow the blood flow, to try to uh, limit the swelling. Of course it's going to swell. And it hurts. Yes, sprained ankles hurt. But, uh, look, I've got no sympathy for this kid. Before everybody starts to tell me, uh, hey, Walter, if you're being too hard on him, you're, you're mean and like everybody else, 
they're trying to get these kids to a certain level. Now, is there a difference between if this happened and what happened at Maryland? Absolutely. But it, it just irritates me because this kid is self-serving. He's throwing enough stuff on the wall hoping that something sticks and he can fly by and, uh, and let them play this year at Arizona. And uh, the world that we live in, he probably will get to play. I still like ran, ran I st- over for right now. No, I still yeah, I still like the idea that he outed himself, <clears throat> and I don't understand why uh, it's not being reported that he, as you said, that he would be punished in some way. Why would they let him transfer? Why would the NCAA allow his transfer now when he said that he took money? Let me ask you this, Mark, and, and we'll go to break here in just a second. What's the kid at LSU that, that cheated on his drug test? You know what I'm talking about? The defensive back. I want to say it was a John Curtis kid. Really, really high-level defensive back. Then admitted, hey, look, I cheated on the drug test. I, I, I did it. I apologize. He's been out for like three years. Okay? And then you have this kid that, that tells you two or three times he took money illegally. What's the difference? Right. There is no difference. What, what, one kid gets to play immediately now if the NCAA says that's okay, and the other kid is out for three years. But, I mean, what's the difference? You both broke rules. You both knowingly violated rules. It, it, you know, this kid uh, is not the victim at Texas A&M. Santino is not a – he's trying to paint himself as a victim. so mean to me. You're not a victim, dude. You're a willing participant. You took the money. Uh, you went to the practices. They called you soft. Odds are they were trying to get a scholarship, Mark because they knew he was not an answer. So if I work you hard enough, you'll quit. It'll open up that scholarship. That would be my guess. And he wants to go to Arizona. They want him to leave. He wants to leave. What's the rub? He wants to play immediately. He doesn't want to have to follow the rules that everybody else has to follow. Well, what's the out on that? Uh, Stuff beyond my control. They were mean to me. They were cheating. They were doing all these things to me. And so I should be able to play immediately. What's sad is they probably will let the kid play immediately. And the LSU kid that failed the drug test, or I'm sorry, that cheated on the drug test, yeah, he's out for like three years because of this. But the kid that admittedly took the money, yeah, they're probably going to get to play this year. That's the hypocrisy right there of the NCAA that I think drives people nuts. You're listening to Sports Talk 97.7, Terry Walter, Mark Kramer, The Edge. We come back, we'll get in a little bit more of this. Your thoughts are welcome. 888-993-7762, Washtenaw Valley Federal Credit Union. And the LSU August of Woe Parade continues. This segment brought to you by Billy Justice and our friends at Vantage. Back in a minute. And welcome back in. Sports Talk 97.7. Terry Waldrop, Mark Kramer bringing you the edge on a Wednesday, the 22nd day of August 2018. Thank you for spending part of your morning with us. This segment brought to you by our friends at Jimmy Cooley, Ben Pitts and Company, reminding you to support an incredibly worthwhile cause, Louisiana Special Olympics. So, LSU, let, let's transition into the Tigers, uh, if we will, and we'll stay on the uh, the fringes of uh, legalities here. Uh, yet another LSU Tiger was suspended yesterday with some uh, some legal matters. And uh, this time it was LSU offensive lineman Ed Ingram, uh, Mark, that was suspended. And uh, this was uh, – <laughs> Sorry, I can't help yeah, but laugh. It, I've already heard people uh, and heard other people because I'm not on social media. 
say that uh, people have been putting out uh, LSU stands for Louisiana Suspension University. <laughs> uh, yeah, if you're an LSU fan, you might want to uh, – <laughs> it's not been a kind August. Uh, you know, he was suspended. It was a uh, a situation. Uh, and, again, this is all alleged. It's, it's all – it's nothing that's been proven. And so it was an aggravated sexual assault of a minor. This is in uh, – Dallas-Fort Worth, where he is from. And so it's just now sort of coming out. Uh, he was arrested on two counts of aggravated sexual assault in Dallas County on the second day of August, so about three weeks ago. Uh, the next day, Orgeron said he's going to be suspended from the team. This uh, is also uh, goes with uh, sophomore linebacker Tyler Taylor, who was arrested on August 8th when they found out that he had been arrested uh, in regard to his involvement as being the getaway driver in a burglary of a Georgia pawn, ship back, uh, pawn shop back in January. The, the, the weirdest one so far, and the most potentially the most serious, that again, you're just not sure, is Drake Davis, who they suspended Friday. He's a wider, junior wide receiver. He was arrested in Baton Rouge and accused of punching and grabbing his former girlfriend uh, by the throat on multiple occasions. It has come out yesterday that the girl, and this is according to the district attorney's office, the girl that uh, was the um, the person, the plaintiff, if you will, the victim in the Drake Davis case, has called the DA's office wishing to recant all or part of her story. And uh, this was confirmed by his lawyer, and also the DA's office said she's looking to, to alter some of her, her statements. So, uh, Jamie... You know, I'm sorry, Jamie. Mark, it's a it's a Reuben Foster situation, and again, in America, you are innocent until you're proven guilty. And, and you know, everybody was ready to throw Reuben Foster, you know, under the under the bus. Comes out, the the girl was completely lied, making stuff up. It just happens, and, and certainly nobody supports domestic violence. But just because somebody alleges that doesn't necessarily mean it's true. Am I, am, I off the, uh, am I missing the mark on that one? No, it's just where we are. When There's certain subjects, and this is unfortunate, but in this country there are certain subjects that if you are accused of it, you are just the opposite of what our legal system is supposed to be. You're guilty until proven innocent. And even when you're proven innocent, some people still kind of go, well, you know, maybe there was something there, but... And sexual things is one of those subjects. If you're accused of something like that, you're automatically guilty first until it's proven that you're not. And then you don't see a whole lot of recant, recanting from, uh, you know, media people. And, and, and like, you said, like you were talking about, the, these people like in the Reuben Foster case that do this, they should be held legally responsible for making stories up and it's getting more and more prevalent uh you know we used to see this a little more in the pro game because uh the alleged victim who would make something up had a financial stake in it because you know obviously the guys in the nfl are making a lot of money and so they were looking for a little hush money uh coming their way uh in college you know some of these guys have potential NFL careers but you would think and I know they undergo training where 
somebody, whoever it is within the university, talks to these guys about uh, where to be and who to be with and look out for this and look out for that. And they just need to get more aware, even with all the, the training and I'm sure the seminars that they have, they need to have, a, they need to be more careful of who they hang out with uh, and what people's motives are for hanging out with them. Oh, there's still question. Look, Orgeron talked about it. He's brought in different speakers to talk to the players about domestic violence. Uh, you know, they do all of these things. We used to talk to our players about it all the time, that and everything else. I mean, you're a high-profile individual. If you were on the LSU football team or basketball team or in high you know, whatever it is, you're a very high-profile person. That's good in some areas, not so good in others. And, for example, the state of Texas, I'm not sure what the laws are here, but the state of Texas, where there's a domestic violence call that goes out, somebody goes to jail, period. Right, they don't and have a choice. Our, yeah, we would tell our players all the time, you know, and some of them would, would have children and, and, you know, the the baby mama, if you will. Like, you know, when the police is called and they have a mother and they have a child and they have you and somebody goes to jail, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out who's going to go to jail in that situation. Uh, the thing I have with... Uh, with the Davis kid, police cited four incidents over the last 15 months that this went on. He's only been cited on one, which tells you the other three, either they didn't pursue the charges, there wasn't enough to, to validate the charges, or they thought it, it just it, it didn't happen. Uh, here's the thing about the district attorney, and people don't understand this a lot of times. You can file a complaint, as the young lady did, hey, he beat me up, what have you, and they're going to charge him. But she can come back and say, you know what, it really didn't happen that way. The district attorney does not have to drop charges. If they feel it really happened, if they feel like they have a good case and this guy is a danger to this young lady or others, even if she doesn't want to pursue charges, they have the option because his, his crimes at that point are against the state because she's a citizen of the state. And so they can't pursue charges against him uh, I'm not sure how this is going to end up, but, I mean, Mark, how many times have we seen it here? We, we had the kid at Vanderbilt that went to prison for like eight years because the girl said, hey, he raped me. And then finally she comes back and said, you know, it, it really wasn't right. Well, this kid's life's over. I mean, he lost eight years because of a lie. And so I think to your point, there has to be some culpability and accountability and if you allege a crime on somebody like this, because in domestic violence, you are guilty until proven innocent. Right, and if, they just can't come in. Yeah, and they just can't come in after the fact, like this girl you were saying this girl was doing, and go, "My bad." Oh, yeah, sorry, my bad. Uh, it really didn't happen. I was just mad at him, and I just spewed out something stuff that didn't happen. Sorry about that. See you, you know, on the flip side. Well, here here's the negative side to that to that statement. And I and I get that something should be put. The girl should be punished. Here's the problem, Mark. Let's just say there's other guys in prison, which there are. There's no doubt in my mind that are there wrongfully accused by by, by women of, of sexual assault or rape. Right. And look, if you do it, dude, they should put you in jail and, and throw away the key. However, let's just assume that there's some people in there that are innocent, and they see this young lady go to jail. Well. They're not going to come back and say, you know what, I lied about it. 
they're just going to let the guy rot in jail because they're going to protect their own self-interest. So it's almost a situation where, you know, if you punish the person that made the accusation and send them to jail, they have no reason whatsoever to come back and do the right thing and clear the record and get that guy out of jail. Does that make sense? Yes. So they catch 22. What do you do there? Yeah, we got a text on the text line from Doug. He says, I'm a fan of Orgeron and obviously LSU, but at what point does the topic of firing Coach O on grounds of lack of institutional control or something like that come up? Again, I don't want it to happen, and I don't think it's entirely Coach O's fault that these kids are running amok. But with all of this happening so quickly and at the high rate that it's happening, I know the powers that be will eventually try to lay the blame on Coach O. Doug, great question. We're going to hit those points when we return to us. This is Sports Talk 97.7. Terry Walter, Mark Kramer filling in for the injured reserve, Jamie Foxx, who uh, he'll probably start listening again in a couple days. He's on the disabled snarky, list. Yes, yeah, snarky text messages. This segment of our show brought to you by our friends at Spinebell. If you got an LSU fan, hook them up with a Spinebell gift certificate <laughs> package. They're going to need it, folks. Lemmy Lane in Monroe, Spinebell. Mark and I'll be back in a minute. And welcome back in Sports Talk 97.7 The Edge. Terry Walter, Mark Kramer filling in for the injured reserve list. Jamie Fox, Tabor running the board. Segment of the show sponsored by my great friend, Mr. Bobby Manning, attorney at law. Tremendous North Louisiana attorney specialized in criminal defense, wrong death, personal injury, whatever you need. Bobby is the man for you. Don't delay. Call him today, 318-324-1411. Bobby Manning, attorney at law. And so... I want to address the text. I thought it was good. I appreciate it, Doug. And FS, we're going to get to yours. Uh, this is Doug pretty said, fun. Hey, yeah, you know, at what point does the topic of firing Coach O for lack of judicial, lack of institutional control come up, et cetera? Look, let me, let me explain institutional control. Institutional, lack of institutional control, you want to get president's attention? Yeah, throw that term out there. That is like uh, kryptonite to college presidents and athletic directors. What that means is that major violations occurred, uh, which is bad, but also your institution didn't do proper compliance measures. In other words, the record-keeping wasn't what it should have been, or it was altered or something of that nature. You didn't have appropriate education on the compliance measures, so you weren't taking a proactive thing, uh, a proactive stance in educating your coaches. You didn't monitor it correctly. Or... The dreaded, you didn't do it in the amount of time necessary. I think that's the criteria. There's a certain amount of time you didn't take uh, swift action, I think is actually the terminology. Uh, You sort of drug your feet on it. So, Orchard, this is not an institutional control issue with LSU. Uh, Not at this point, anyway, because there's there's nothing that's been violated other than laws of uh, the state of Louisiana or Texas or wherever they're from. So, uh, to the other side of that point, when are they going to talk about Fire and Orgeron? I think they started talking about Fire and Orgeron the day they hired him. Yeah, last year. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure this guy. And look, I'm neither a, a protagonist or antagonist of Orgeron. I said it when they hired him. I'll say it now, and I'll say it when he's gone. LSU, by any stretch of the imagination, is a top ten job in America. I think a lot of people would put it as a top five. And let's just agree that it's certainly a top ten job in America uh, that should attract top 10 coaches 
in America. And simply my thing, I'm not saying the guy's not a good coach, a good person. He doesn't get to his church and help old ladies across the street. But at the time that he was hired as head coach at LSU, and I know he's got the Cajun accent, I know he's Louisiana, I know we all like that, and that's fine. Is Ed Orgeron a top ten collegiate football coach in America? Because LSU is certainly a top ten program uh, in America. Uh, be that as it may, when they hired Ed Orgeron, everybody's already on it. And, and Joe Oliva, who I think seat is hotter than anyone else is in the country, and rightfully so, um, is going to be the first to go if, in fact, this blows up. Is Ed Orgeron ultimately responsible for what his players' actions are? Yes. Absolutely. That's the, the unfortunate side of being a CEO or a head coach. You are ultimately accountable for the actions of your players. Are players going to make mistakes? Yes. We've seen three of them so far with LSU. Folks, don't think that they're only ones in the country. There's a lot of people. Texas Tech had a guy, I think, with what armed robbery he got popped for. There, there's a lot of kids out there that – some make mistakes. Some are criminals, just like they are in real life. Uh, it, it happens when you recruit somebody. Mark, it's hard to know what is in their heart, what their background is. Now, their background will give you a little bit. You know, if you sign a guy that's been, uh, you know, in trouble with the law since he was 12 years old, odds are he's probably not going to change. He's still going to be in trouble with the law when he comes to your program. It, it just happens. I mean, you know, we look at, uh, at Devin White, who's being celebrated as an All-American, and certainly the accolades on the field are incredible. Remember, Devin White had the incident uh, prior to his high school football game where he was arrested for uh, for statutory rape of a minor. Now, what that the way it was adjudicated, and there seems to be some political shenanigans going on with it, but nonetheless, that's what happened. And so it's hard to predict how people are going to behave and ultimately you're accountable, yes. Does LSU have more than normal? You know, maybe, maybe not. But does it reflect character of the kids that they're recruiting? Uh, if you don't get good players, you're not going to win. They're going to fire you. If you get really good players that have some character issues, uh, they're probably going to fire you anyway. So what's the answer? Well, there is no answer, but there's that fine line. Uh, that that all major coaches, major uh, college coaches have to walk between the two things that you just talked about. You know, you've got to have really top-level players. Everybody's hung up on the four-star, five-star, you know, whoever. Uh, and that's fine. And you got to have those kind of players to be on the national stage, to be relevant on the national stage. But – also, the same thing we talk about with junior college players. Uh, where do you draw the line between the talent and the character? Now, of course, obviously not all five-star guys have bad character. Not all four-star four star guys have bad character. But you've got to try and find some kind of a balance between the char their character and how good they are because talent does not – uh, correlate to having good character. And so how much of that do you take? How much do you compromise knowing that a guy's got some character issues, but he's a five-star player? You know, how many of those do you take, first of all? And where do you draw the line? 
having having done that before, Mark, personally, I'm giving you – I'm not going to call names. I oh, no, come on, tell very, us the names. I'm just kidding. Very high-profile Division One transfers in basketball. Uh, talent is very seductive. It, it just is. I mean, if you have a chance to go get a big-time player with some character issues – I'm telling you, it's 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 very seductive. I've done that. I've been careful. I've been fortunate as well. I've been fortunate. I've never gotten burned with it per se, but there were certain things I wouldn't do. Uh, you know, I'm not going to take somebody that is just a straight up criminal. You know, I'm talking about you know any kind of gun violence, any kind of uh, uh, domestic abuse, things like that, because. Those cats typically don't change. Right. It doesn't matter if they're athletes or not. You know, and, and the, the disingenuous thing I think people don't get sometimes is, all right, we're going to blame Jimbo Fisher or Kevin Sumlin or whoever. you got kids coming in 18, 19, 20 years old, 18, 17, 18, 19 years old. They've grown up in a certain yeah, culture, yeah. in a certain way. In an environment. For 17, 18, 19 years. Now, I'm arrogant enough to tell you as a coach and – Keith Richard is arrogant enough to tell you as a coach, and Skip Holtz is arrogant enough to tell you as a coach, hey, if they come into my program, I'm going to make them better men. And they are absolutely right. All right? The difference is, if you take a kid that has a really, really, really tough, questionable, the way he's grown up, you could affect him to some point. But they're still going to have 17 years worth of, 18 years worth of the other side in them. And so you're trying to educate. You're trying to show them a different way to do things. And sometimes they get it, sometimes they don't. That's what you do as a coach. I was talking to a guy last night, and uh, he's a coach at a, at a university. He has a degree in counseling and drug uh, addiction uh, therapy, psychology. Why? Because his dad was a drug addict. And he wanted to do something to change that. He and his wife both work in, in that type of environment. They counsel kids with drug addictions. Why? Because he saw it at home growing up. And that imprinted him to want to help other people. So, yeah, coaches are absolutely helping. That's why I went off on the Texas A&M kid who obviously knew taking money. There's not one kid in America. Not one person in America that thinks that, that doesn't know that, hey, if your coach, linebacker coach, special teams coach, walks up to you with a fistful of $100 bills and gives them to you and says, hey, you guys have a go have a great time. There's not one kid in America, Mark, that doesn't know that's wrong. That, that, there's not one out there, oh, I didn't know the rules. I just thought they gave me money all the time. No. You took the money, dude. Now that the, the deck is not the way you want it to be, you're going to out those guys, and whether it's the truth or not, I don't know. But you outed yourself. Kid at Texas A&M, hey, sit him for a year. For lack of judgment, for outing himself, make him sit out for a year. Unfortunately, I don't think that's going to happen. This is Sports Talk 97.7, The Edge, Mark Kramer, Terry Walter. We come back, I'm going to read FS's uh, text. we got a couple of other people texting. Give us your thoughts on the Orgeron situation. I think the clock is already ticking. Uh, I think it's going to hit critical mass sometime in late September. Sports Talk 97.7, this segment brought to you by our friends. And GB Cooley reminding you support a worthwhile cause, Louisiana Special Olympics. Back in a minute. 
And welcome back in Sports Talk 97.7. Terry Walter, Mark Kramer closing down the edge here on the 22nd day of August 2018. Uh, Mark, I, I got to tell you, I really appreciate you yesterday. And I share a lot of personal things with uh, with our audience. And, and, and I didn't share it yesterday. I just didn't think it was appropriate. But I was a little off my game. And uh, you, you really came in and helped me out because I was, I was sort of out of it. Uh, a lot of you know, some of you do. Uh, my youngest son took off for uh, for basic training in the United States Army yesterday and uh, AIT, so we'll see him around Christmas. So sort of a, uh, it's a very proud day for us, Mark, and I know you grew up in a military family. Yes. But also kind of a tough day when you say goodbye to your youngest for uh, for several months, and that you know that's never really happened before, but uh, that, that pride, but also kind of a tough day. But I do appreciate you uh, – yesterday because I, I don't know where my head was at all day it was uh not where it usually and you know i'm not real smart to start with so i need every advantage i can get and i certainly was a little off my game yesterday but i wanted to, to publicly thank you for uh for bailing me out well like i said uh, to you personally that you know my, most everybody knows i've talked about it before both my parents were veterans and uh, my dad's retired air force so I grew up in in the military environment. My dad was gone five total, you know, not at the same time, but all told his unaccompanied tours when I was growing up, he was gone five of the my first 15 years. Uh, he was gone a total of five years of my first 15. And those goodbyes, uh, when, you know, when you have, when you're saying those kind of family goodbyes, knowing you're not going to see somebody in your in your family for, you know, in your case, it's about six months or so. You know, my dad would be gone for 12 to 15 months at a time, a year and a half uh, when he went to Japan. He was in Greenland. Um, so those kind of things, uh, it's tough. You know, it's tough when you know you're not going to see one of your loved ones for such a long time. So I completely understood, not with it being a child, not my child, but I was the child. In, in that instance that had a dad leaving. So I understood the emotional part of what you're going through. So, um, but just, I uh, know you're proud. We're proud for you uh, that you have uh, another son serving our country. And uh, as we always thank Mr. Tabor here in the studio for his service as well. Yeah, indeed. Uh, FS and Farm will chimes in. Triple eight, nine, nine, three, seven, seven, six, two, Washington Valley federal credit. Union. Uh, Dave, I do appreciate the, the, the personal text there. Uh, the LSU players, FS, the LSU players who have been suspended are now on the others receiving votes category <laughs> in the latest polls. Uh, FS comes FS through like he always does. Year. I like that. He does. <laughs> uh, so now Scott Rabelais is who's the advocate sports writer, one of them for for uh, the Baton Rouge Advocate, sort of uh, railing Orgeron a little bit. And again, folks, the clock is ticking. Uh, it's it's critical mass at some point. I think Joe Oliva will be the first domino to fall. Uh, do I think Orgeron will survive the year? If I were a betting man, which I'm really not, I would probably, I would probably err on the side. I don't think he survives it, Mark. But so uh, Scott Rabelais took an exception, and you know this. You told me this, and you and Nick White both told me this when I first started doing radio. Uh, you know, regularly. Because it's different when you're getting interviewed than it is when you're on the other side of the microphone. Yes. I never really got that till I got on the other side of it. Like, yeah, it's different. 
we're going to say something during the during the show, every single show, that is not going to come out right. Because we're doing it live. It's unscripted. We're talking off the top of our head, right? Correct. And so you're going to you're going to misspeak. It just it happens unless you read a prepared statement. Uh, it's going to happen if you're the press secretary, and it doesn't matter whose party's in the White House. You're going to say something that they're just going to jump on one word. So Orgeron is talking the other day, and he is talking to the media because they're all on him about the domestic violence and, and the the burglary and, and all the things going on. And they said, uh, Orgeron said, look, I try to tell the guys how to treat women. We brought in, uh, what was it, Rachel, I forgot what her last name was, to talk to the we, – we bring in a lot of players, and they said, uh, okay, what's your message? His quote was, do the right thing. It's always about doing the right thing. I don't think anybody can agree with that. That's, uh, my buddy Scott Lee talks about that. So, but, hey, do right. Uh, when I was collegiately coaching for 20-something years, we had two rules I got from John Lyles. Follow the school rule, follow the law. That pretty much takes care of it all. So Orgeron said, it's about doing the right thing. It's always about doing the right thing. Then he makes the second statement. It's always about protecting the team. I think our administration does a great job of educating our guys on do's and don'ts. We brought in several speakers. We had seminars for our football teams throughout the year. Scott Rabelais goes off on Ed Orgeron fumbles because he didn't come out against domestic violence because he said it's all about protecting the team. It is it's about protecting the team from themselves sometimes. It's about protecting the team of LSU, of Baton Rouge, of Louisiana. And like, well, he missed the mark. So the guy's not saying, hey, I support domestic violence. This is a sports writer. And he's a very talented guy, and I know him, actually. Very talented guy that sort of takes something uh, and twists it out of context. Do you think Ed Orgeron said, yeah, do you really think that the most important thing is about the team? No. Do the right thing. As part of the team, we expect you to do the right thing. It's all about protecting the team. Well, it is. You're trying to protect the team from doing the wrong things, from hurting the wrong people, or from hurting people at all. See, I almost misspoke there when I said hurt the wrong people. There are actually people you need to hurt. Those are the ISIS people that the military takes care of. But, Mark, is, is that overblown where they just, you take it one statement out of a 30-minute press conference, and, man, you go to town on that? Well, that's what the media does now. Everything's sensationalized. Uh, some reporter, some blogger, uh, some podcast person wants to be the big name somewhere on the Internet, on social media that breaks some kind of a story or, you know, puts something out there that that goes viral and gets sensationalized. It's just all about uh, personal notoriety for these people that do all that stuff. Yeah, it's uh, and again, you know, you're you're a blogger, you're a journalist now. People pay attention to it. It'll be on Twitter. Urban Meyer stuff is going to come down. Durkin, I'm surprised he's, he's lasted this long at, at Maryland. Now we got the Texas A&M guys saying, well, Jimbo Fisher was mean to me. Uh, we got the guys in Georgia that are walking out. And, I told our football guys about that, by the way. You know, And you're going to see more of it. Kids just going to walk out because they know they've got power to do so now. And when stuff gets a little uncomfortable, that's where they're going to go. I'll leave you with this thought, Mark. Okay? Okay. I'm going to tell you where we, where we are as a society. And this hits home. Seems like all kind of crazy stuff goes on in Ohio. The University of Akron, which we know is paying for LeBron James' kids' scholarships, 
the University of Akron announced earlier in the week they are killing 80-degree programs, including 10 Ph.D. programs, 33 master's programs, 20 bachelor's, 17 associate's programs, based on low enrollment, which, okay, that makes sense. In the same week, they announced they're making way for a massive eSports facility that is going to have varsity eSports, club eSports, recreational eSports, video game players. Uh, the University of Akron will have varsity teams for Overwatch, League of Legends, Hearthstone, Counter-Strike, Global Offensive, Global Offensive, and Rocket League. I've never played any of that before. Seven hundred fifty grand is what the, uh, the facility is going to cost, and they're asking for almost half a million dollars to operate it annually. Another sign, the apocalypse is upon us. Esports in favor of academic programs. Where have we gone? Thanks for listening today. I'm sure Sean Fox will come in this afternoon and try to make sense of this. Uh, good luck with that, Sean. Thanks to our sponsors, they Washtenaw Valley Federal Credit Union. Our friend, Mr. Bobby Manning, attorney at law, Jimmy Cooley, reminding you to support a worthwhile cause we did a special Olympics. Vantage, Spawnaville, and our title sponsor, the man, the myth, the legend, Dr. David Weber, North Monroe Animal Hospital, simply the best pet care you're going to get anywhere in the free world. Go see him on US 165 North and Monroe. 318-345-4545, Dr. David Weber, North Monroe Animal Hospital. For John Tabor, for Mark Kramer, I'm Sherry Walter. Aloha, folks. Have a great day.